Welcome to Basketball on Figueroa, the only podcast talking about everything happening with the Lakers, Clippers, and Sparks. I'm your host, Edwin Garcia. Joining me today, as usual, Dar E N Vaziri, aka Dime Dropper. Dime. James Harden keeps cooking. How you doing? Doing pretty well. <laughs> Let the good times roll in Clipper land. Grammy trip is both over for both teams, so I'm excited to get into all of that. Some good stuff this one. Episode 16 of Basquan Figueroa. Edwin, how are you after this road trip? I'm good, man. I mean, it was rocky for a minute, but 4-2. and two, You tell me they went came out 4-2 and two from a six-game Grammy road trip uh, with some of the best teams in the East. I'll take it. Personally, I needed everybody to have me in their thoughts and in their prayers. Now, why? I'm not sick or anything. Everything's cool. But do I have a week, which we're going to talk about. But on Thursday, we have the Lakers in the NBA trade deadline. We got the Lakers playing defending champion at Denver Nuggets. And we have a Kobe statue unveiling at Crypto. Luckily enough, I'm fortunate enough that I'm going to have to be involved in all three. And I'm also unfortunate enough that I'm going to be involved in all three. So I've already been told um, by my, my higher ups to make sure I'm well rested, got my water, got my coffee, because I'm probably going to be doing a lot of coverage from the moment I wake up until the moment I go to bed. And knowing me, that probably means from like 6 a.m. to 3 a.m., I'll be working to some capacity slash ready for any news to drop any Woj bomb. So, you know, even if you're not the biggest Laker fan and you're more here because of Diamond the Clippers, just, you know, I mean, I think you don't want me to do bad, right? So, like, just be like, hey, man, I, I hope he's I hope he's up wherever he's at. <laughs> yeah, man, what a week in L.A. sports and L.A. basketball. So no better place to be than right here, basketball in Figueroa. What we get into first, we got two games to close out the road trip uh, for both L.A. teams on Monday. We got Lakers and Charlotte, and then we have Clippers and Atlanta. Where do you want to go first? Let's start in a place I know Harden loves, and that's the ATL, especially because I didn't really watch the game because I was watching the Lakers side. But I I heard the rumblings that Harden was cooking, and obviously uh, Clippers came out with a W. So tell me a little bit about this game. What happened here? Why are people so excited? about the Clippers in the general basketball world? Well, the general basketball world, I think we'll save that for the standings watch because I think those will do the explaining. That will do the explaining for itself. But Got it. this was not my kind of game, Edwin. It was not a lot of defense being played. A prime example of why it's so hard to guard in the modern NBA when players, when you have elite pick and roll threats surrounded by shooters and Trey Young, James Harden, Definitely we're putting that on display in this game, but it's not just James Harden for us. Even though Kawhi Leonard and Paul George aren't necessarily elite pick and roll threats, you could see early in the game, they're coming off screens. If you're dropping too deep as a big, they're walking into threes and Paul George and Kawhi were hitting. And it was just, you know, first team to play defense wins. And it honestly didn't end up being anybody playing defense really. Although I will say the Clippers did go to a a small ball lineup at the end. You know, Edwin, we had a lot of talk about can the big four play together? And I think we found that they can play together in spurt minutes with a small, in a small ball lineup. Not really with Zoo, because I think having Zoo and Westbrook out there together, it, it's a little bit clogging the spacing if you don't have Westbrook on the ball. You know what I'm saying? If Westbrook is spotting up in the corner of the dunker and you have Zoo in the dunker, then it's a little bit clogged. And also, you know, it's just kind of reducing Westbrook's value. Even though he is a good cutter, he's shown that he can be a lob threat with Harden. But he works better with a, a, either a small ball big or someone like Tice who, when he picks and rolls, 
you can get him the ball a little bit further from the basket for that little one-handed push shot. Um, so the big four and coffee were in in this game, and they got some big stops towards the end. But Kawhi Leonard and James Harden, I think they really were the difference makers in this game. In the fourth quarter, Kawhi had 13 points on four or five shooting to go along with two rebounds and three dimes. And then James Harden and Russell Westbrook also played the whole fourth. Russ had seven points, three boards, two assists, two steals, and a block in just the fourth quarter alone. And then Harden had 11 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block uh, in the fourth quarter alone. So big-time performances by those guys. And overall, Paul with 18, Kawhi with 36, Harden with 38 rebounds and 10 assists. I mean, and then Westbrook with 13. So you got an all-around performance from the Clippers, 13 from Norm, 13 from Amir. Everybody was scoring. Nobody was really defending. And at the end, the Clippers just had more talent and found a way to win. And that's something that they've been doing is just finding ways to win. Ugly games like yesterday against Miami or Sunday against Miami. And then this one, a high-scoring affair, finding a way to win. The common denominator in all these games is the Clippers are finding a way to win. Zubats is also back, by the way, but he was load-managed in this game. And mm -hmm. you never load-manage Zoo, so they're being very cautious with him because he came back a week earlier than expected. A week earlier than he was supposed to be reevaluated, not even yeah. supposed to come back. So that was huge, and we definitely missed him on defense in this one, but got the job done and withstood an amazing game from Trey Young shooting the ball. Uh, and DeAndre Hunter had 27 points on 10 for 12 shooting. So just a wild game from him, but we'll take the win. 149-144 in the ATL. And I'll tell you, you mentioned James Harden in Atlanta. James Harden in Atlanta and Miami, two of his favorite cities. Looks like maybe that's all he needed. <laughs> he was one for 10. In Detroit, he was one for 10. He had some really bad shooting games in the road trip. Then all of a sudden, he looks like he's back to that December and early January form. Yeah, a, a trip to Miami and a trip to Atlanta is something I think we all need. Um, I have actually never visited either city, so I would definitely be interested in in uh, seeing what's going down in, in Miami and the ATL. I mean, I love uh, lemon pepper wings, so, you know, when in Rome, you know? <laughs> I've, I've been to Miami, but never Atlanta. I've been to Miami one time, and it was when I was a senior in high school, so I couldn't even do anything that cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Uh, maybe uh, who knows? Maybe we take the pot on the road, and, and Harding can show us a couple stops. And <laughs> oh man, yeah, that would I'd be. I'd have to, have to meet him first for that. That's true. Well, yeah, you should you should definitely do that. Yeah, so that would be that would be fun. So um, yeah, the thing about Atlanta, the Lakers. We'll also talk about them briefly because they played Atlanta earlier or, or last week. Their record makes you think, oh, they're not a good team, right? 22-28, easy win. No, the problem is they have a couple players that are especially elite on that offensive side of the ball. So it's very easy to kind of end up getting in like almost like a boxing match where you start to mimic your opponent and say, oh, well, they're scoring. We're just, we're just exchanging buckets. And next thing you know, you, it, it kind of like you end up kind of playing their kind of game, which is a little bit more fast, a little bit more open, shooting a little bit more, especially when you see them hitting that. It's it's human nature, right? You see a team hitting like two or three threes. You're like, well, we need to get a three to kind of keep this going. And then next thing you know, you end up in a no defense, you know, slug match. And that's not a team you want to play like that because that's actually what they want to do anyway. So despite their record, they can be a pesky team. You kind of have to um, remember what your goals are, what their weaknesses are, and focusing on exposing that, even if the scoreboard's not indicating you're finding success, you got to kind of bring them down to the level you want to play at because they have weaknesses in their, their team, which is why they have the record they do. But yeah, it's easy to, 
I would never be surprised if Atlanta beats any team because they just have an offensive firepower. That means, yeah, if they get hot and, and you get you fall asleep, um, they're gonna they're gonna get you. So um, seems like it didn't happen with the Clippers uh, against the Hawks to start off uh, this uh, week's action here. Now I'm gonna jump right into the Lakers because they also uh, played tonight and they went ahead and played against the Hornets. They got the W. Uh, this puts them at four and two for the. Grammy trip, which is a really great spot to be in. Obviously, the Grammy trip is when uh, both teams are out of town because they are taking care of the Grammys at crypto. So neither team is present and they're on the road. And Lakers went played a lot of East Coast games, and so did the Clippers. Lakers beat the Hornets 124-118, again, in their final game here at the Grammy trip. And, I mean, it, it was going to be a good win dive. They were in control. They were dominant. Everything's going great. I actually have the replay going on right now and uh, in the closing minutes happening on Spectrum. But they were in control, and then they just decided to say, you know what? Let's make the fourth quarter fun for everyone. <laughs> and they allowed the Hornets to go on multiple runs. I think it was 11-2 to start the quarter. Then they had another another burst uh, midway through the fourth. They also let them score a 9-2 run to close out the third, which the game was still double digits going into the fourth. But it was just those little runs. And, again, I'm going to kind of just brush that off as, hey, this team decided, you know what, we don't want LeBron to rest in the fourth quarter. We want him playing the whole game, even though the, the result was clearly in hand. Luckily, they avoided disaster. It got as close to four points, but uh, AD, again, defensive player of the year. A big block on Miles Bridges. If if Bridges makes that, it's a one-point game. But instead, it was a block. Reeves got the rebound, hit his free throw, six-point game with 40 seconds left. It was over. So they avoided disaster, but it could have been a great, easy, fun win. Instead, it was mainly that. And then the fourth quarter, they decided to let the Hornets get as close as possible to threatening. But ultimately, this is a great scenario for the Lakers because – this season, they've done something. This game, they did something they haven't done most of the season, which is beat teams they're supposed to beat. They're better than the Hornets. Everybody knows that, regardless of how good you think the Lakers are, you know they're better than the Hornets. They're supposed to win this game, and they actually did it. They won it 27 25, two games above 500. We'll get into the standings later, but this is the best I think the team's looked in a while, and they've won three straight, which uh, ties their record for most wins in a row uh, on the year. So things are kind of looking good as we enter a trade deadline where. Maybe the roster looks different, or maybe they keep it the same. Didn't even mention that AD had a triple-double. I looked at the box score, my jaw dropped that he had 11 assists. Yeah, second triple-double of the season. Uh, it's a rarity for him, especially because he gets it on the points and the rebounds, but rarely the assists. Uh, the Lakers actually just shared, uh, I think this morning, uh, a video on um, AD and how he's improved as a passer and how he's he's improved his assist totals. And, man, that, that video is aging like fine wine. They posted in the morning, and at night, triple-double. Double-digit assists, of course, and part of that. And it's definitely been something in his game he's improved on. When he first got here to the Lakers, the one thing I noticed is he really struggles when you double him in the post. He just he starts fumbling the ball, and he really he can't he can't handle it. And now you see that less and less. He's actually making the pass. He's getting the ball where it needs to go, or he's actually making the assist even. And that's one of the biggest improvements he's had in his game. People talk about the, the three-point shot, and is it there? Is it not there? I think the biggest improvement he had is definitely – uh uh, passing from the inside, double teamed. He's grown a lot in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that stuck out recently for me with the Lakers is D'Angelo Russell and the way he's playing. But I, we'll talk about that more as we continue. Um, and Austin Reeves, I have something to say about him. The last couple of games. Remember last week I was harsh on him? 
I almost put you on the Jumbotron because of that video. I, I had the clip ready. You know, I talked about you and the Suns. Uh, I was going to put the Reeves one out there. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do remember. I do recall you saying you were sick of the guy. Yes, and I was. But he is. it's almost like he listens to the show. I have some things to say about him. I think he does listen him. to the show. I think he does. Reeves is there. He's listening to it. But yeah, <laughs> before we get into one? that, yeah, let, let's get into Clippers, Wizards. We're going to now we're going in the dime machine. And going back to, to Wednesday, and then we're going to go back into modern order. So Wednesday, we had Clippers-Wizards. Again, Clippers have been on, on a heater. So th this week, actually, I'm going to say it now. Dime, they did it. A perfect week. Did neither team lose? I think did we, we didn't record this episode. I'm sorry. Uh, we recorded the last episode before the Atlanta and Houston losses for the Lakers. No, we we recorded it after, so that was part of last week's episode. Oh, <laughs> and they you know did what? it! They not a only did it, but week. they did not only a perfect week, but they did the Edwin special, the double oh, yes, Boston L in Boston. I love the fact that when you said it, you've never said that word, but I already knew what you're talking about. I'm like the Edwin special's got to include the Celtic losses. Oh my goodness. Yo, I, I wish I had some victory handy that uh, I, I could have popped in right now. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, they ran the table all week. This is just going to be a Lakers-Clippers win best because there are no L's anywhere in any of these recaps. Incredible. All right. So I just realized that confirmed. I was I already knew about it before. I was writing the doc, and I'm like, okay, Lakers-Hornets, Clippers-Hawks. I, I wrote the doc before those games started. So I'm like, okay, if they win, we win out. And then for some reason, I just forgot about it until right now. I'm like, wait, I'm looking at our document. W, 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 W. I'm like, there's no losses. Yeah, unbelievable. That's the first week for sure that's happening, especially with the Lakers being a, a, more of a 500 team. But yeah, no losses, baby. This that's is the, it. This is the dream, Edwin, for me. You know, this is the, the Clippers. I'm, I'm just saying this. No, no, wait, wait for what I'm going to say. Clippers, <laughs> hopefully, will get the one seed. Lakers around seven. Like, that's the ideal for – that's my uncle used to always tell me as a kid. He said, my ideal situation is the Clippers are the seventh seed and the Lakers are the one seed. So so now it's – I said, okay, right back at you, brother. So <laughs> it looks like we might be getting my fantasy at, at this point because I always say this, and, you know, a lot of my Clipper fans definitely disagree with me. You know, much more hater of Lakers than me because my uncle used to beg me, don't hate the Lakers, don't hate the Lakers, all this, because he was not a hater of the Clippers. But I do always say that the conversation is better and the buzz around the city is better when the Lakers and the Clippers are both in. I mean, it just is what it is. Lakers have the most fans. It's much more of a buzz when they're both in. So I like the city popping. I love it when we have all our teams in. Ideally, Kings, Lakers, and Clippers, I'm going to miss that all in the playoffs in the uh, same arena. I think this year will be the last if the Lakers want to join us. Um, Want to join you? Wow, okay. Can join us, I should say. Of course they want to, but, you know, can. Because <laughs> the Kings, I think, will make it. Clippers, we're definitely making it. I think sure. the Lakers will make it, too. Um, yeah. Should be yeah, fun. It'll be, the last time. it'll be the last time. But just in general, all three teams in the playoffs is what I like. Um, but, yeah, it's looking good. Well, but Clippers-Wizards, oh, yeah, nothing to say about that except for they, they made it a little bit too complicated for a bit. Uh, the first quarter, we were letting Kuzma score a lot. But yeah, it was 37 to 35 Clippers after one, but eventually the quality showed and we took over and Kawhi 31 points. Harden had 25, nine and five. That's nine rebounds. Uh, Paul George actually sat this one. We load managed it with that groin injury because we were like, we're playing the Wizards. Uh, Russ had a really good stint in the second half. 
He had nine points and seven assists off the bench. And Brandon Boston got some minutes in this one, some actual rotation minutes. And he had 12 points off the bench on five for 11 shooting. So nice to see Brandon take advantage of actually getting some real time. And he talked about that after the game, that it's like, this was like really playing in a game, not just garbage time. But the main takeaway, we're a much better team than the Wizards. And Kawhi Leonard just continues to be as good as anyone in the league. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, we'll keep it going. Thursday, definitely a game I want to touch on at least a little bit. We're going to try to go quickly as we have also Sparks uh, free agency and we have the standings watch and preview the next game. So it's going to be going to be buckle up time here. Lakers, Celtics. Obviously, let, let's let's just put all our cards on the table. I was not looking forward to this game. <laughs> we had no AD, no LeBron, both missing, playing the best team in the NBA, at least record-wise, on the road. It just it wasn't looking good. I mean, no one could have predicted uh, a Celtics win. Oh wait, I predicted the Lakers to actually pull the upset. That was before I knew Brian and AD were gonna miss. After that, I kind of changed my my tone. But I did say, hey, this team does this. They overperform and then they underperform when you expect them to deliver. So they actually got it done in, in one of the most incredible victories of the year. Obviously, winning in Boston, huge, huge for the Lakers to ever win in Boston and and and. Given the context, what did we get? We got an incredible game from D'Lo. We got an incredible game from Austin Reeves. D'Lo was distributing especially amazingly well. He had 14 dimes. And Austin Reeves, he's like, I'm not going to be found guilty of the dime dropper allegations. He came and balled out. Fun fact, it was his first time ever playing at the Garden because the other times he was on the Lakers and they played the Celtics, he was out due to injury and just wasn't able to actually play there. Oh, sorry. I'm thinking of the Knicks. My bad. He did play in Boston. It was it wasn't his first time in Boston. It was his first time in Madison Square Garden. But regardless, he did ball out in both games. But against the Celtics, he was sensational. Thirty-two points, seven for ten from three, just incredible. And uh, there's a you know playbacks and uh, a website that's kind of been blowing up lately. Dimes got his new um, playback channel. Actually, the the Dime Machine, which I'm looking forward to checking launched out. It, and launched on Monday. Got to sign up to the room, LA people. Please, I'll be watching all sorts of things in there. Um, that relate to sports, of course. And, uh, yeah, it's called uh, The Dime Machine, I believe. Yeah, I'm going to be locked in. And for the first time, I think, ever, I actually retweeted Celtics content because <laughs> the Celtics blog from SB Nation did a, a playback channel for the game, and they clipped out all the Reefs threes that were just daggers for them and their reactions. And I'm like, okay, this is Celtics content I can give behind. <laughs> and they were just like, there's no way he's pulling up right there. Oh, good D, good D. Bam, swish, swish. And they're like, you got to be kidding me. 7 for 10, 70%. So obviously no one expected this win. Uh, Dime, what was your reaction when you saw the Lakers just running the Celtics out the gym at the final minutes there in the fourth quarter? I was dumbfounded because... I was going to literally go live that night and just not even talk about the game and just slander the Lakers for not playing LeBron in that game. I'm like, they were like, oh, AD's injured. Uh, we, this is a scheduled loss. We're just going to, you know, might as well just give LeBron extra rest and just take the L. I was not having it. I was like, these guys are not in a position to do this. This is getting ridiculous. You just lost two games in a row. Now it's going to be three. And, man, I think there's something to be said about the Celtics, too, and how they didn't pounce on that. But – Rui Hachimura, I thought was pretty decent, even though he didn't have the, like, from my memory, the most efficient game, but I liked how aggressive he was. And then Reeves was just insane. Although that wasn't where I was going to take back my Reeves stuff because I was just like, that's typical Reeves. You know, when LeBron and AD aren't there, now he can go off and he just happens to have his best game of the season. It is what it is. Yeah. But I thought that D'Angelo Russell, his playmaking 
was very impressive. I think this was the game that he had 14 assists. Yes, he did. And also, out of nowhere, the best game that I've seen Jackson Hayes play as a pro in the NBA. I mean, where'd that come from? 16 and 10, six. He was a rim protector. Guys, there was a couple of times in the third quarter. They, I actually saw the defenders up not to, I'm like, what is happening? You're, you're giving up a bunny because Jackson Hayes is stepping up? It was incredible. Yeah, definitely his best game as a Laker. Um, in, in a couple of group chips I was in, one, one person joked, they need to trade him tonight because his stock has never been higher. <laughs> yeah. And he had an incredible game. Yeah, that, that was that was definitely um, – no one could have predicted that. He, he played and he played significant minutes, and he looked good. So, hey, you'll take it, especially with so many players out, like you said. You gotta you gotta get the good moments where you can. Yeah, and it was it was just kind of an outlier kind of game for the Lakers in the sense that the Lakers aren't the best three point shooting team to put it nicely, and you shot fifty three percent from three as opposed to forty from the field. So like, you shot so much higher from three in the field. Jackson Hayes and Austin Reeves had their best game of the season. Torian Prince had eleven and eight on fifty percent shooting and fifty from three. So talk about a solid, you know, produ- uh, production from him. And then Max Christie with nine and. Uh, points off the bench with four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. So you got a little bit of everything. Uh, and the Celtics, just, you know, 48 threes. They, they do this so often. They they continue to generate these open threes. But when they're bricking, a lot of times they don't seem to have a plan B. And the Lakers got probably their most improbable win of the season, maybe the best win of the season. The only thing, though, it did come with a casualty, and we should address that. Jared Vanderbilt, right when he was starting to play, Really high level ball injured. Yeah, in non contact injury, uh, we're still getting new details about it. But the latest from Shams is that he's going to be out for three to four weeks, which honestly is is a good sign because earlier reports from Woj was that he was going to be out the whole year, and the fact that he's going to get reevaluated in three or four weeks, well, that's a lot better than out the whole year. Uh, yeah, just unlucky for Vando all season long. He had a left heel issue. He missed the first twenty games. Finally came back. We were both talking about when is he going to play 30? When is he going to get his rollback? And it looked like he was just about there. And then non-contact on the other foot. It's like, oh, my goodness. You know, again, we talk about it all the time. To win a championship, you have to be good. You have to be talented. You have to be lucky. The lucky is that part, right? Not that the Lakers are necessarily at kind of contention, but it's these kinds of breaks where you're like, I mean, a non-contact entry, he was just running for a loose ball that he calls on. He created a turnover. He was trying to follow through, and he starts limping, and right away you're like, oh, no. Here we go. So they're dealing with it. Hopefully he can come back in the three or four weeks. That'd be incredible instead of missing the whole season. And players like Max Christie, who you just mentioned, are going to have to step up if they don't make a trade for a wing to kind of help offset that loss. Um, Max Christie is going to have to step up, which is good because I'm, I think most of Lakers Nation is pretty high on Max Christie. He's, he's, one, he's like the darling, right? He's like 20 years old, works hard, does things the right way. He's looked good in the moments. He takes on the defensive challenge, just like the offensive challenge. Again, he's still doing the dirty work because he's not a star. And he's he does well in it, and he's got he's got good size, good length, smart kid. Doesn't really do too many big mistakes, so you're you're hardly ever mad at him. So yeah, give me more Max Christie minutes. That might be the only silver lining in losing your best uh, defensive wing, which is obviously a bad thing. But like I said, three to four weeks, we'll see what happens there. And in the meantime, Lakers and Clippers keep winning games. So Clippers Pistons, we'll probably keep this one short as well. One thirty six, one twenty five. I mean. It's Detroit, you know, like respectfully, it's tough for them to get any wins. They've only got six on the season. Yeah, this game was just, you know, Clippers showing their quality. Russell Westbrook made up for what was a James Harden stinker, one for 10 from the field. 
Paul George was back, but Russ was insane. 23 points, nine assists, getting to the paint at will. But we couldn't really guard them. You know, the Pistons don't guard, but we had trouble guarding them. Cade Cunningham showing how talented he is. Jaden Ivey had a good game. But again, Kawhi Leonard, just MVP. Like, we got to start talking about it. Like, MVP candidacy. Like, seriously. How, yeah. The stats just don't do him justice. But there's a lot of games where he's not playing much in the fourth because we're blowing teams out. And he doesn't – he plays well defensively basically every game. Atlanta game, honestly, he was not that great. And nobody was. But that's rare. At the worst, you're getting not that great. So Kawhi Leonard is absolutely playing at an MVP level, man. 33 points, four rebounds, three assists on 12 for 17 shooting and six for eight from three. He was on demon time from three. And we yeah. got to talk about his efficiency. Like he's shooting 45% from three this season. It's not all of them are open. Like, of course, James Harden has helped that a lot with the open shots, Westbrook as well. But his shot making is truly spectacular. And uh, it's definitely the on the path to being the best regular season any Clipper has ever had. Regular season. I never expected that from Kawhi. But it's that availability. Yeah. Availability, bro. 45 games out of 49 right now. Knock on wood. And I'm still yeah, health as well. Yeah, still knocking. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, health as well. And yeah, he's finally gotten it together. That was always been the issue since he's been on the Clippers. The load managing the health, the lack of health, um, being overly cautious. All that's always been the conversation. And it's always a good sign when you're talking more about the basketball versus the off-court drama. Just like you, I'm, I'm more of a pure hooper. I just want to talk about, you know, the X's and O's, what's happening in the match, what's happening in the games. But we can't do that when there are outside distractions and also the team's losing. So it becomes like a double-edged sword, right? Like the momentum starts going on that, you know, when the Lakers are deep in trade talks, that's not because the team is our world beaters, right? It's because they're struggling. So the fans start looking, the team starts looking, you know, the, the you know, general management starts looking and saying, hey, how can we fix this? Versus when, you know, when you're winning everything, you just don't have to worry about that because why would anyone want to shake it up? They're like, hey, this is going great. Like, I'm not, I'm not upgrading a guard position when we're like, you know, two in the West, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, Kawhi's healthy. He's playing exceptionally well. He's not missing many games. Clippers are are on, on a tear right now, so it's all good, and we can we can keep talking about ball instead of is he really hurt? Is he really hurt? You know, uh, dissecting every you know every PR email and every like little you know subtle thing the coach says about it. We can get past that and just talk about the game because they're playing at that quality. Now, moving on to Lakers Knicks. For me personally, I, I think Dime also has this this feeling being having some time in the East Coast, annoying people. This is the one game. Besides the Celtics game and the Clippers a little, but this one, because of my life, I know a lot of New Yorkers because of basketball and the NBA and my goodness, dime, are they in my mentions? Are they in my DMs? I don't know how some of these people got my phone number, but they have it. And I'm hearing about it every time the Knicks play. I'm hearing about what's happening and Brunson this and, you know, all this stuff. Last time I was getting clips of people having celebratory drinks in Brooklyn, laughing at them beating the, the Lakers in the last game when it was Lakers Knicks here which I, I told you about and we talked about here on the pod, but not not Saturday night. The Knicks had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row. I forgot how many decades it's been since they won nine in a row. And everyone was like, here comes number 10. And then the Lakers said, no, we got Austin Reeves. Now we got the game. We got Austin Reeves first time in the Garden. Now, I've never been to the Garden I've heard about the magic and it's special and it's the best and Spike Lee sits courtside and da da da. da. And hey, I guess there's some truth to it because Reeves balled out. 
22 points, 6 for 13 from the field. He had a big game. LeBron had a normal game for him. It wasn't like a monster game, but he had 24, his return. And Anthony Davis, the greatest 12-point performance you're ever going to see because he only scored 12 points, but he had 18 rebounds. He had that double block where he stuffed Josh Hart and then Brunson gets the ball and he stuffed him too and the crowd's going crazy. How many times you see a crowd get that electric for like a defensive play? Not many. Sometimes those LeBron chase down blocks, but the fact he squared up twice and was like, nope, nope. I'm like, oh my God, he's on one. The Lakers, another improbable win. They beat a team that's won nine straight, 32 and 18 on the season. The Lakers said, yeah, um, we got LeBron, we got AD, we got Reeves, we got D'Lo. D'Lo was solid as well. He had 16 uh, points. So Lakers, another win. Jackson Hayes also had some good minutes. So it, it was incredible. Christie gave you 26 minutes, again, stepping up with Vando out, and he looked well too. Really, you didn't have any bad games from anyone here, on at least on the Lakers side. Uh, what was your takeaway uh, watching uh, New York against L.A. at the Garden? Takeaways that you didn't already say. You know, obviously, A.D., his presence was amazing. We know. We've been talking about it every week. It's like the only reason he, he won't win Defensive Player of the Year is because the Lakers haven't been very good as a team defensively, and the Lakers' record isn't good. You know, Rudy Gobert, because of his team, has a stronger case, you know, but Anthony Davis to me is the best defender in basketball. So when he gets more national attention about that, I, I like it. Um, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned this, but congrats to Kawhi Paul and Anthony Davis. All three of them made the all-star team in the reserves. And I don't think we've talked about that. So I want to give them a shout out. All three deserved. Absolutely. Um, especially Kawhi and uh, Anthony Davis. Paul George absolutely deserves it as well. But James Harden had a strong case too. He really did. It's just a lot of good players in the West especially at the guard position, but LA represented with four all-stars. Yeah. Um, and definitely some controversy with the Lakers having two in the record that they have with the Kings having zero. I thought that was pretty harsh, you know, but it's, it's tough. You know, Anthony Davis is playing like an all-star. There's no denying it, but LeBron's always going to get the votes. Even though he's played like an all-star, I guess if he yeah. didn't have the name, you can maybe argue that De'Aaron Fox or Sabonis could make it over him. If you didn't have the name, I think you probably could. I think he still would, yeah. I think it's just, like you said, it becomes one of those, like, who do you take out? The West is always so tough, especially now. I I, I wish there's a way for us to contextualize this in the future for people, but we're not going to. They're just going to say, De'Aaron Fox only had five All-Stars. I'm like, yeah, well, a couple of those years were really rough. It kind of reminds me of Wade talking about not being NBA first team because, like, well, Kobe, so. <laughs> right. And I, <laughs> I got a lot of second teams, you know. And it, it's not his fault. It's just, like, you're not better than Kobe, but you're also really freaking good. It's just that there's only one spot for that. So what do we do about that? Right. So, well, yeah. I mean, I think I think this season, though, if we're just talking season, I know LeBron's numbers are very good, but just if you mix the winning and the numbers, because Fox and Sabonis' numbers are really good too. Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I'm just saying there's a case. If it wasn't LeBron James, obviously sure. the 25-7-7 and seven still looks great, but 25-7-7 and seven on the ninth seed, they, I think there'd be more discussion. But since LeBron is not as much discussion. But I like that you said that about all NBA teams and stuff because – I truly think like when we talk about all NBA teams when comparing all-time players resume, that's really unfair because certain eras are stronger in a certain position. Like, let's be honest. Like right now there's more competition at the point guard position than there was in like the sixties and seventies. But in that era, Will Chamberlain's making the second team like <laughs> because Bill Russell's there and vice versa. So the center was really hard to make first team. And in two thousands, you had Kobe Bryant and in Kevin Durant's case, he probably has a lot of second teams. I haven't looked at his resume, but he probably has a ton because LeBron. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think the All-NBA, especially with 2000s power forwards as well, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Like, because there's some years 
Pau Gasol and Elton Brand are not even making the third team, and they're like, you know, it would make world, it a, yeah, world beaters, yeah, all, exactly. all star so, Hall of Famers, yeah, one hundred percent. My takeaways yeah. though from this game, uh, Reeves, I want to give him a shout out. So now that you had AD and LeBron back, I thought that he made some really good reads in the pick and roll. And I have been saying that this season in the pick and roll, he's been looking just to score and, and get fouled. But I thought in this game, he, he looked up a little more, was more aware of the open teammates. And I thought he just let the game come to him a lot more. You know, didn't try to do too much, didn't do too much ball pounding. And I think him making his threes was really big as well because that makes things a lot easier. Three for six from three. Um, still got his eight free throws, but seven assists. So I thought he was making – it was more like the Austin Reeves of last year in the playoffs, which was I didn't have anything bad to say about him. I said that he was making the right reads. He was a third or fourth guy. But it just kind of has felt like he thinks he's better than he is this year at times, for me at least. It's just my opinion. Feels like he's better than he is, dribbles too much, and just kind of has become like a ball stopper. But I liked what he did in this game. And I think he carried that to Charlotte, as you said, with the numbers that he had. So maybe Austin Reeves is starting to revert back to that uh, the way he was in the playoffs last year. And I think one big reason that he wasn't super overbearing is because Delo's doing his part. And I think when Delo's doing his part, I think you still see it. it's kind of a 3A, 3B situation. Like, you know, I don't know who the number three is on this team. I, I've said I said going into the season, it's Reeves, but I've told you a couple weeks ago, I think Delo's better than him still. And now Agreed. Reeves has his performances, and I'm like, yeah, if Reeves plays like that, then it's close. So I think either one of them, you just need them to both be aggressive looking for their shot, but also look for others as well. So three-game winning streak for the Lakers. That win was impressive, but I have to say we, we, sh- we would be disingenuous if we didn't mention that the Knicks were missing several starters. OG Ananobi, for one, who's been excellent since he's gotten there. Randall, who was also named an all-star. There are without Mitchell Robinson, but I'm going to discount him because they've made this winning streak. They've been on this winning streak without him. My former Clipper, Isaiah Hartenstein, who sadly only got one year here with us, has been excellent for them. And I think what changed the game is that you guys like hard doubled Brunson, like almost the whole second half, and you were making other guys beat you. And it, it just showed how depleted offensively the Knicks are without Randall and after the trade. Like if you think about it, after losing quickly and Barrett, it's a lot more on Jalen Brunson to do a lot. Like, no wonder he's having all these high-scoring performances because he has to. He has no back. His backup point guard is Deuce McBride, who's like a defensive-minded. They also were missing Quentin Grimes. But Deuce McBride is like a defense-first backup point guard. So the Knicks were really – like, they're the people that Brunson was passing the ball to that you guys were funneling the ball to were Josh Hart and DiVincenzo. And, you know, DiVincenzo did have a good game, but – I think the Lakers just simply had more talent as well on the court on this night. And it was a very good win and a very exciting game. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's go into the final one. We're going to talk about from last week, which is Clippers heat. Again, it could have gone either way with, you know, with the heat, you know, they kind of have a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde themselves and, and how, what their high is and what their low is, but Clippers took care of business. Uh, 103 95 at giving us the full sweep, all the teams winning. Dime, uh, can you, uh, Kind of give us a quick recap on what happened here at Clippers Heat. Yeah, it was a defensive-minded game. You know, the Heat make things tough. They throw these different zones at you and stuff like that. But ultimately, we have more offensive firepower, and we got a little lucky with their injuries. No Tally Hero, no Duncan Robinson. So they shot terribly from three, and Kawhi and James Harden were just fantastic again. Russ didn't have a good game. Paul didn't have a good game. But Kawhi and James Harden were just that good. 
that they closed the door. And we got another big game from Amir Coffey and Norman Powell, who've been so consistent off the bench. Maybe it's Zubat's return in this game. And just something early, Daniel Tice taken out of the rotation when Zoo was back and Plumlee was the backup. So that's something to watch. Mm. People are saying it might be yeah, matchup. Yeah. People are saying it might be matchup dependent, but we played against the Heat, who have no size, and Tice is the smaller one, and we went with Plumlee. So I don't know if that spells good for Tice. And I'm I think Tice has been better this season personally, but they're both very solid options. The fact that we have that problem is not a big deal, and it's a good one to have because Tice is just lucky that he's playing minutes on this team. Uh, he was not getting any minutes in Indiana, and now he has a chance to win a ring, <laughs> and he's been a relevant part of the team. So he will be used, especially if we play against AD or Jokic. Obviously, the Lakers, I, 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 I adamantly believe that we won't play them in the Staples Center era. But the Nuggets, the Nuggets, very well the road is going to have to go through them at some point. We're going to need multiple bodies to just absorb fouls against Jokic. Um, but Kawhi Leonard, James Harden. Like, Kawhi is showing you. I love Jimmy Butler. He has become the Mr. Turn-up-in-the-playoffs guy. But let's not forget who just five years ago was Mr. Turn-up-in-the-playoffs guy, and we keep forgetting about it because he can't stay healthy for a full playoff run. Kawhi Leonard, who's better than Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And I like Jimmy, but he's better than him. And he showed it. And it's just special what Kawhi's doing right now, man. It's all I can say. Slugfest of a win. And, again, just going to show as we're done with all the games for the week, Clippers are showing you how to build winning habits, and they're building it. You win a game that's a complete defensive battle against Miami, and the next night you travel to Atlanta and win in a high-scoring shootout, and both times the common denominator, you win. Can't say anything bad about that. And it was the second night in a row where it was the Kawhi and Harden show because Harden's had some slower games lately, but the, the guy that's been constant in this road trip and really the season, Kawhi Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, we'll conclude uh, our recaps of all the games again. Uh, so it's not only is it rare, it's, it's never happened here uh, where we had um, all uh, L.A. teams win every game. So you love to see it. Happy to see it. Um, now we're going to talk about the L.A. Sparks and their free agency period. Free agents have officially been able to sign now. So there was a little chatter before, but now we get kind of a, a bigger picture. And boy, oh boy, have there been some moves. So I'm going to start with the, the players that are gone, uh, players that are signed, and then players that have been re-signed. So we officially have no NECA. She's gone. Jordan Canada's gone. Katie and Carly Samuelson, gone. The players that have been brought in as reinforcements, Monique Billings. We have the McDonald, Kia Nurse, Kitts, and... Uh, Taylor uh, Mixell, and we have the re-signings of Ray and Lasia from last year's team. So kind of getting that um, that team solidified. And my biggest takeaway, obviously, when you look at those star players, those are starter stars. NECA has never played anywhere else. 12 years with the Sparks. So that one just kind of stuck. And then Jordan Canada, we talked about her. She, you know, uh, was cored before free agency. So someone had to match, ended up being part of a deal. So she's gone. That was your starting point guard. Very good. Your shooters, Katie, Carly, they're out of here. So my biggest takeaway, besides the fact that that's just like heartbreaking to see so many of the top players leave, is that this is the changing of the guard for the Sparks. It's going to be a new era regardless, because for the first time, you know, in the last 12 years, you're not going to have NECA. You're not going to have a player like Candace Parker. You're not having that superstar, one of the best players in the league on the roster. They're making some changes. They have the two, four, and eight pick in the in the first round of this year's draft. And we've talked about this is on paper one of the biggest drafts. So they're going in on like, let's get these draft picks. 
deep draft. We're going to have three swings at this at least. Who knows if they package something or, or go for more. There's still time to do that if they want to. But they have three picks in the first round, three lottery picks in the first round. So they're making those moves. They're making those changes. But clearly, you know, Billings, McDonald, Nurse, these are good players, but they're not they're not those superstar players. And right now, the way I look at the WNBA is like this. You have two big dogs, Liberty, Aces. Aces are the biggest dogs. They got back-to-back titles. So And they're only getting better. So kind of like for those who maybe have not watched as much WNBA or, or you know, just to kind of share my thoughts, it, it kind of reminds me of the Warriors when they got that super team with Katie. When you were an NBA team at that time, there was two options. Are you going to go for it and try to fight fire with fire? Or are you going to hold back because you can't win? So let's just, you know, develop and wait for it when they die out. And I think in the WNBA, you're getting a little hint of that. A couple teams like Seattle, like the Mercury, they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to actually push to try to see, okay, you got a super team. Can we get super? Let's go. And you have other teams like the Sparks now, I think, fall in this category. And the, the Dreamer are more extreme. Not, actually, not the Dream. Um, the Fever are a more exam- extreme example as well. Teams kind of on the lower end saying, hey, we're going to build. And, you know, we'll get there when we get there. Those two are world beaters. We, we're not going to be able to top that. And it bumps me out. You know, obviously, we, we want uh, LA to always do well. We want there to be continuing winning streaks. And this is definitely a team, at least on paper, they're definitely worse than last year's team. Now, they might have an, end up having a better record because last year's team had a lot of entries. So they ended up missing the playoffs and all that. But on paper, that team's definitely better than this one. But we're going to see. They're going to make some changes. It'll be very interesting to see who they pick up in the draft, who's available, who declares, and and what the options are. They're going to have some at least star power in terms of a top draft pick that is, you know, an attractive, you know, allure to, to watch. Like if it's going to be Paige, if it's going to be Cameron Brink from Stanford, they're going to have some good options. But especially in the WNBA, just like the NBA, no rookies coming in and like, you know, running the, the team, you're going to lose games and hopefully they show some promise. So kind of a mixed bag there. Uh, the Sparks have a press conference introducing uh, Billings, McDonald and nurse next, uh, actually not next week, tomorrow. So I'll, I'll uh, attend that virtually and, and we'll, we'll kind of check back on if there's anything significant that comes out of there and, and the conversations they have about why those players were selected and what they see the vision as now we're kind of seeing some more of it, but it's sort of a semi-rebuild here. They're not going for a title for sure. You know, if you're, you're getting rid of players like NECA and you're not replacing them with someone of equal value, you're, you're taking a, a step back, if you will. So we'll be interesting, but we'll see. Hopefully they can still make the playoffs, make some run. But uh, the, the team's going to look a lot different this year. Yeah, man, it's a very sad day, you know, losing NECA, one of the best sparks of all time. You know, we're talking about a former MVP, 12 years of service for the franchise. Oh, it sucks. And Jordan Canada, you know, somebody who I went to summer camp with and went to elementary school with. It was really a dream come true to have her on the Sparks. And I know that was for her as well. Um, and it only lasted two years. So, and this is going to be definitely my most tapped in year with the Sparks now that we're doing this. And I'm excited for it. I was really hoping that we could have Jordan and NECA, but it is what it is. I am excited though. Three picks in the top eight. I mean, yeah. I would like us to just go for it and just young core. Like, let's do it. Like, the Clippers and the Lakers are with these, you know, in their prime, twilight of their prime, aging stars. Yeah. Let's get some youth movement in LA basketball. Why not? <laughs> you know, why not the Sparks? Second, you said fourth and eighth? Yeah, two, four, eight. Yep. I'm taking that all day. Let's do it, man. New, new big three of top eight picks. 
Oh man, the 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 Laker and me just like almost threw up a little there. I'm like, oh, we're playing the babies, but yeah, you're right. We are gonna be playing the babies, and there there are some really talented players, at least on paper. No one's declared yet because just like uh, the man's, you know, that's still like a little ways away. Um, you know, we'll, we'll know. We have an idea of the of the players, but technically, you know, we have to wait. But they're they're definitely gonna have some good assets for sure. So I'll be interested to see how that works. And I I don't think the team's gonna be bad at all. They're gonna be well coached. Kurt Miller's an incredible coach. Um, I, I think last year. They just had too many injuries. If they stay still stay healthy, they have players like Lexi Brown still. They're gonna they're gonna be in the mix. They're not just gonna be like any hope to me. Any hope of a title or anything this year that's already been shut down. Like they're gonna be a middle of the pack, maybe back of the pack. Just gonna depend on health, chemistry, and what players they they draft and how they mesh. That's gonna be the main thing. But yeah, it'll be an interesting. It, it, again, it's never boring in LA, so it's definitely gonna be interesting once we uh, kick off the WNBA season and. As we get more free agency news, they're not done yet. So we're going to see what kind of the final roster looks like as the weeks kind of continue and, and they finish up all their roster spots and, and all the money that's available. All right. So let's get right into standings watch now. New segment. Been doing it for a couple of weeks now. Looking at the East, looking at the West. We're going to start uh, in the least coast, the East Coast. So we'll start there. <laughs> we're going to start with uh, 12 as um as the Diamonds mentioned, sorry, I laughed at my own joke. That's really corny to do, but, <laughs> but we're going to start at number 12 because as Dime said, the bottom three, they're not going to be even in contention. We'll start with 12-11 uh, and work our way up. So number 12, kind of those bubble teams, we'll call them. We got the Raptors, 11. We have the Nets. If it ended now, your playing teams in the East would be the number 10 Hawks, number 9 Bulls, number 8 Heat, number 7 Magic, and officially locked in top six in the East. We got the Pacers. The, the Philadelphia 76ers at five, New York Knicks at four, Bucks at three, Cavs at two, and the Celtics still at one. All right, Dime, you're making some faces there. What 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 are you thinking here looking at this uh, this um, standings right now? Cleveland, Ohio. What is going on with the lack of national media coverage that they're getting in this run? No Evan Mobley, no Darius Garland. They just came back. Evan Mobley just came back last week. Darius Garland just came back a couple days ago. And Donovan Mitchell has been playing at an insane top 10. It should be top 10 in the MVP ladder form. They've won six in a row, nine and one in their last 10. And they have surpassed the Milwaukee Bucks and are getting no media attention. I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. Shout out to everybody over there. Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Max Strudel. Um, who else was there? George Niang. I mean, all these guys. Okoro. These guys are doing great. Shout out to Cleveland. And also, I think we should stop mentioning Toronto. They're done. They're rebuilding. They sold <laughs> Fiakam out of there. No, I'm being serious. For this season, I'm, they're done. Quickly's injured. They're just – It's they're trying to help Scotty with the young core now. They're going to you know, they're gonna tank after the next – by the end of the All-Star break, they're going to tank. So it's just that it's an 11-horse race now, Edwin, for that for those spots. I'm serious. What's so funny about that? They're not good. It's just something about the bluntness. I'm like, you know what? Like, not worth the three seconds. They're done. <laughs> not worth the three seconds. Oh my god, that just killed me. No, I'm with you. Um, I don't have beef with the Raptors, but um, I do have a little beef with some of their fans because after Kawhi gifted them a championship, you know, you would think they were like the genius organization that just knew how to run things in the market. And again, uh, Masai is great, but I'm like, hey, let, let's call a spade a spade. You, you got a ring because of Kawhi. Without him you're just as good as every other team that, that puts together a good team but never wins. So, like, let's take it easy. Edward, but now that he's gone, you kind of see that a little bit. They're 2-12 and 12 in their last 14 games. They're done. 
finished. Yeah. All right. Cool. So <laughs> now I'll go top eleven in the East with the Nets in there. It, it will be interesting. I'm kind of looking more at the bottom of the the Eastern Conference, and I'm like, I feel like the Bulls. They're they're uh, obviously Zach Levine's not going anywhere. He just he's opted for season and he's opted for season injury surgery, which I thought was interesting. But regardless, he's 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 out of the picture. So they can't get rid of him. No one's going to want uh, him injured like that and giving up anything. And I, I'm just very curious. Can they even tank enough to to slip out of there? You mentioned the Raptors aren't going to be looking to do that. The Nets, would they win enough games to kind of get in there? And the, the Bulls kind of do the switcheroo. I think that's the only team that's really looking to kind of sell and maybe get worse at this point. That's still in the top 10. Uh, Who's Chicago? And, yeah, Chicago. Atlanta might, though. Atlanta might, yeah. We'll they see what happens with they're playing, pretty, they're playing pretty good ball. I mean, I mean, yeah. they're ball. When I say good ball, they've won won some yeah, games. They don't they don't play what I consider good ball. They just try to outscore you. I think that's ridiculous, but I think they are better than they, what they showed in the beginning of the season. And I think they're they're what they are. What I thought they'd be a playing team. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm I'm really curious. We're we're noticing one thing. I'm noticing doing these check ins weekly is. The hierarchy in the East is very fragile. It's clear the Celtics are one, at least record-wise, right? And then we talked about the Knicks jumping up there. Now we're talking about the Cavs jumping up there. You know, the, the Bucks are struggling, you know, with, in the Doc Rivers experience. But, you know, would you be surprised if they win five games and they jump back up to two in a couple of weeks? You know, it, it could totally happen. So I think what's scary for me as a person who doesn't want to live in a world where the Celtics win a title, they feel like a pretty good shoe-in for finals, the ECF Maybe. finals, right? So, but who's that second team? I really, that's what I'm really curious about right now. I mean, if it ended right now, Cavs, Bucks, who'd you got? I think I'd go with the Bucks there, right? You and know, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to say something here. Oh no. Two things actually. No, not, nothing crazy. Two things. One, if the Celtics don't make the finals this year, it's going to be a complete joke. Like it's going to be a complete joke. And secondly, the door is open in the East with Embiid getting hurt. And yeah. with the Bucks getting Glenn Rivers, I'm telling you right now, they have no chance of winning the championship. Zero after that. They 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 literally signed their own death warrant getting that guy. Promise you. So they completely are out. And Bede's team, the Sixers are out, and the Bucks are out. <clears throat> Logic would say that means it's a red carpet run for Boston to get to the finals. That's mm-hmm. what this is what I'm saying. If you're Miami, if you're but mainly I'm talking to two other teams, Cleveland and New York. If you can beat Boston somehow, because they have a tendency to make the game hard on themselves. Yeah, with the three-point shooting. They live and die on it. That's the problem. The Exactly. And they play low IQ ball. The the road, in my opinion, at least, the relative to title contention. That, that to, you know what I'm saying? Not relative you to the You don't distance. have to contextualize your take. You I know. But they they, they play some, Celtics fans, some Celtics fans got mad at me this week that followed me for a long time because I said that they can't stop shooting threes, and they didn't like that I said that. But anyway, and even though – they shoot more threes than anyone in the league, so I mean, yeah, exactly. They, but they, the, the difference is, they think that me saying that they shoot too many threes means they shoot too many bad threes. No, they shoot too many good threes too. I just think that sometimes it can't just be a three pointer. I don't care if it's open and it's the most an open corner three is the most efficient shot in the game. No, bro. At the end of the day, it's still not over a fifty percent shot, is it? More often than not, like you need no. to get something easy sometimes. That's not. Yes, I think an open three is easy, but, like, it's not that easy. You know, you can go cold. So, you know, that's what I have to say about Boston. I'm yeah. saying these two teams, they have a great chance. If they can beat Boston, you can go to the finals. Like, you really can go to the finals. Like, if New York, if there was ever a year that Brunson could lead this team without even getting another star, this year, if they can beat Boston, 
They can go all the way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. All right. Now, let's go to the best coast, the West Coast. Starting at number 12, we got the Warriors, 11. We got the Rockets in the play-in. Number 10, the Utah Trash. Number 9, your Los Angeles Lakers. 8, we got Dallas. 7, we got the Pellies. And then top 6 locked in right now, we got the Suns. Number 5, the Kings, no All-Stars. <laughs> Number 4, we got the Nuggets. Number three, Clippers. Two, T-Wolves. And sitting number one, Oklahoma City Thunder. I don't hear anyone saying that it's the, the West is going through Oklahoma, though. Uh, Dime, why is that? Several reasons. One, they're a young team. This is like uncharted territory for them, this era of Thunder basketball. But also, if you really look at that, Edwin, you listed it one, two, three. But the Timberwolves and the Thunder, they have the exact same record, 35 and 15. And the Clippers are only a half game behind at 34 and 15. So there's going to be a lot of change in those top four seeds. It feels like these four are pulling away. We'll see if Sacramento and Phoenix have anything to say about it. The thing is, if SGA or Ant-Man missed like five or six games, there could be several losses there. Like seriously, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to speak any of that into existence, but. For sure. Understand. Well, so it's I mean, the fact that the, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this too, to you, Edwin. We've won four in a row now, the Clippers. We're the hottest team in the NBA, 26 and five in our last 31, 31 and eight in our last 39. The This is the best chance the Clippers have ever had to be the number one seed ever. And they've got to take it. They really have to take it. Something else that stands out to me, Golden State still in that 12 spot. It's getting a little shaky for them. And then New Orleans, you know, they're eight games over 500 and no one's talking about it. You know, they're playing pretty decent basketball recently. Eight games over. I mean, that's the best they've done in this Zion Ingram era. So I got to give them credit. I like the Pelicans. They're one of the only teams I actually like in the NBA. You know why people don't talk about the Pelicans? It's because of this T-shirt right here. The IST, baby. The IST matters. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm being funny, but I, I think that people saw the Lakers just stomp them. And they were like, oh, they're not going to be serious when – those teams really go for it. And I think we saw it, right? Stephen A. Smith went out there and was just berating, you know, Zion and his conditioning and all that. We, we saw the blowback, the Bucks, you know, the internal conversations were after they lost in the IST that they were like, hey, we don't have enough. This coach doesn't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. Things kind of progressed. So you're seeing that was kind of a, the teams that kind of lost big in the semis, which is funny because that means they actually were winning games before that. But the teams that lost big, they actually had consequences. One coach got fired later in that season, and the other team, the consequences, people were like, oh, unserious team. But you're right. They're a serious team. Do I think they can beat a team like the Lakers when it matters? No. But I only think a couple teams can definitely beat the Lakers when it matters. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. That might not even be relevant at all. You know, they might win out if things end today. If they beat the 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 Mavericks, they would be the seventh seed. And then what's going to matter is how they match up with the T-Wolves. And that's going to be different than anything to do with the Lakers in the in-season tournament or anything like that. But I think that's one reason why people kind of remember that. And that's their takeaway of the, the Pelicans. They're also a team that doesn't get as much coverage. That was a nationally televised game in Vegas. And the, what's your memory? Oh, uh, you know, AD just put his fist down their throat. And then, you know, uh, Zion, you know, laid an egg. And, you know, LeBron looked really good and whatever. That's, that's what people remember. Versus all these other games where they've been looking good. Ingram's been playing well. Zion's been playing well. They're, they're well coached. They're, they're, they give a full effort every time. So I'm with you. They're definitely a little underrated, but that's why they're underrated. People just, they, they have the memory of the one national televised game they did watch. 
And unfortunately, they played. They did play bad in it. So it's like, oh, okay, clown team. I don't gotta worry about them. But I think they're they're gonna be a good team for sure. And um, I don't know if they're gonna they have the same record as the Suns, so they can definitely jump up to six. I think that would definitely change things for them in terms of giving them a guaranteed spot and, and getting the full series. I I definitely, if I was a Pels fan, I definitely would worry about. We just get one shot, we lose, and now we're a game away from elimination. You want that seven game series, especially as kind of a a team that doesn't have as much playoff experience, you want more of it. So I think they definitely would like to get that full series and give it a go and see if they can maximize what they have with the full seven game. I'm going to stick with two things. One, you're right. I keep thinking, okay, the, the Warriors have to at least get in the play right? And it kind of reminds me of that Lakers season where I'm like, actually, the answer doesn't have to be yes to that question. <laughs> you can just have a disaster. You don't have to make it. And that Lakers team was the one with Melo and all that, and they kind of gave up. So there's a little bit of combination of that. But at the end of the day, they couldn't. They also had to like win like five straight to get in, and they just they didn't have the the desire to do that. And the Warriors aren't at that point, but they're starting to get there. You know, like you, they're losing too many games. I believe they they won tonight against uh, Brooklyn, but even in that game, it was pretty tough. And they're struggling. They're just they they cannot string together wins at all. And we're so deep in the season now, we're almost at the 75% done mark into the third quarter. It's going to start to become a math game where it's just like you don't have enough games left to go on the run you need to go on to make it. Uh, the Rockets, I don't think, necessarily care about that unless the Jazz sell and you can just kind of sneak into that 10 seed. Everyone else is trying. We, we see the Lakers trying. The Mavs are a good team. We just talked about the Pelicans. Everyone else in the, the top six is pretty elite. So your only hope is – do the Jazz sell enough, and can you do enough? And, you know, I, I'm in those um, warrior spaces checking out uh, the funeral every time I get a chance, and I'm not liking what I'm hearing from the fan base. I don't see a path towards them reaching this plan right now. They need to go on a five-game winning streak or something to kind of offset that. They haven't really done that all season, so I think they're pretty much it, – it, it's almost curtains for them, but I, I'm going to give them a little bit more hope because of the pedigree and the respect, but – Respect's only going to take you so far if you don't bring the results. And the Lakers, speaking of results, they've gotten a couple. We'll see what happens uh, for the trade deadline here. We'll talk about it briefly before we go into the games coming up this week because that's going to matter on the games. But the Lakers, they're right where they want to be and in terms of now, not not long, long term. But they're the ninth seed. They look pretty secure in terms of making the play as long as they don't have a huge drop-off. And I think they can push. And I think they can. I think they still have a chance outside looking in at that six seed, depending on if they can get a couple more wins, get three or three or four more coming up. You know, something like five of your last seven, seven of your last ten. If you go on one of those runs, you'll be right there. And I think they can still push for the goal to be to even avoid the plan and get that six seed. We're almost out of time for that, but I think they still have another couple weeks to try to climb a little bit more. Uh, they're only, um, I believe, uh, a game or two behind the Mavericks, so that gives you the eighth. And they're, they're now have a little bit of a cushion uh, against the 10th. So they're, they're kind of locked in right now at nine. And he's got to keep pushing forward. So we'll see. But that'll conclude our standings watch there. Before we go into the games coming up, kind of a preview of Thursday's game. Lakers play the Nuggets, defending champs. That's going to be a tough game. Nuggets are just so good. What the Lakers will even look like is a big question. We've talked about the rumors. Zach Levine's gone. You're still hearing DeJounte Murray. You're going to hear about DeJounte Murray until it is literally legally impossible to not trade for him. So until then, you're going to hear those rumblings. Dorian Finney-Smith is the name that's been thrown out there. Bruce Brown is the name that's been thrown out there. And the Lakers are still kind of in those conversations. It'll all end one way or another on February 8th at 12 o'clock West Coast time. That's when the trade deadline is 
done. Cannot make another trade. All they can do is pick up players on buyouts and, you know, 10-day contracts, things of that nature. No, no player can be traded and eligible to play for any other team. So that's all wrapping up. That's happening at 12. At 3 o'clock, they're unveiling the Kobe statue for the media, and they'll have the uh, public viewing of that in the morning. And later on that night, Lakers Nuggets. So you might have a whole different team. You might have a really shorthanded team if the, if the trade's going to involve a lot of players because they still have to go through medical, yada, yada, yada. They might have trades before that. There might be a trade tomorrow morning that changes this whole segment and makes it irrelevant. I'm not sure. So let me throw it to you, Dime. Simple question. Will the Lakers roster look the same on Thursday as it did today, Monday? No. But my take is that it won't be DeJounte Murray that comes. Okay. They're just going to get some good, maybe a solid role player. Maybe someone like Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal or someone along those lines. But I think D'Lo will be there to stay. Yeah, I um, percentage-wise, I'm probably the lowest on D'Lo getting moved for the same reasons you mentioned. Um, there's a lot that's been talked about, a lot that's been discussed. It seems like a couple things. One, the Hawks don't want D'Lo. They're more interested in Reeves, and if they get D'Lo, they want to package him somewhere else for assets, whether that's draft picks or a player that they kind of see more paired with uh, with Trey Young, right? And so for that reason, I think we're just we're a little too deep into it to get something like that done. Now, again, that's where we're at now. The biggest motivation for people is time and deadlines. People will get very inspired when they realize it's now or never. You know how many how many papers did you do, Dime, on on the eleventh hour? You wrote more that day than you wrote, wrote probably the whole week, right? Because you knew you had to get it done, and that's it's it's the day to do. So who knows? Maybe the Hawks finally take the poker face off and say, okay, fine, we're going to agree to this or whatever. Something can definitely happen, but right now I think it's just a little too complicated, and it seems like the upgrade's not significant enough. And the Lakers have done a good job after the Russ trade, which was not a good trade. I think they've done a good job of checking themselves and don't confuse activity. For progress and just because you can make a trade doesn't mean you should and doesn't mean it actually makes your team better and I agree with you I think the roster will look a little different I don't think we're going to get a big splash blockbuster trade I think it'll be something in the margins like DFS um, that makes the team a little bit better but doesn't rock the world and also doesn't rock the lineup where you're going to have a couple of role players probably leave but no one from your like Top seven, I think, will be touched. I think Reeves stays on the team. I think D'Lo stays on the team at this point. And I'm happy with that because, again, just personally, I like D'Lo. So I like thinking, okay, we're going to get the rest of the year. He probably played himself into a better contract with another team, not the Lakers, for next season. But that's that's offseason chatter to talk about because, like you said, he's actually probably played better than what his pay is. And there might be some team in the East or something that, you know, just gives him some max money and kind of, you know, uh, takes him off their hands for for that, or he opts into his player option, which he does have the ability to do so. So we'll see what happens there, but that's how we see things. Okay, so they're going to be a little bit different, but not um, completely different going into uh, Thursday. That's how we feel right now. All right, so speaking of Thursday, let's jump right into it. Lakers versus Denver. TNT, National oh, Televised Game. Clippers Wednesday for, uh, against the Pelicans first. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies. So you guys have one there. Obviously, you guys don't really have to worry too much about trade stuff. I don't think there's anything that's re- really going to happen there. Um, I think the, the Clippers are probably a team that might look at the buyout market and see they're if they want to kind of get They're saying P.J. Washington, maybe. P.J. Wa- really? Just we lack another forward off the bench, big forward, because we lost Roko and Nico. But yeah. we'll see. Okay. 
So first game here Wednesday, we got the Pels. ESPN as well. So speaking of the Pelicans, you're going to be a Pelicans fan, I guess, for, for the night there. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you think is going to happen here? Is the winning streak going to continue? Yeah, it is. We, we broke our little Pelicans curse last time we played them at Smoothie King, and I think we're going to beat them this time. Big, big uh, return after a long road trip, and I think I'll be, I'll be in the building. I'll be very excited to be there. I miss my Clipper fans. I feel like it's been a minute, and I think the team is going to get a hero's welcome with a 6-1 and one road trip. I mean, we really see this could be the first ever Clipper team to be number one in the West. Let me ask you this, Dime. When you were a kid, like an actual kid, like under 18, um, how often did you go to basketball games? Clipper games, uh, the first – I had a 10-game package from 07 and 08 in the 300 section. And then 09, about five. Uh, so I'd say if you averaged it out with all those years before I was like an adult, I'd say about eight games total. But as of Lob City, I want to say the it was the 2013-14 season. I stopped going to regular season games and only went to all the playoff games just to save money as a high schooler. So 2014, I only went to one regular season game, went to every playoffs, except for game three against the Thunder. And then 2015, I didn't go to any rec- – that's the only season I didn't go to one regular season Clipper game. Even the years I was in college, that was the – even the COVID year, that's the only year I didn't go to one regular season game. 2014-15, we won 56 games, and I went to all the playoff games except for game three against Houston and the game six where we choked. So – um, yeah. yeah, Clippers winning. But yeah, Lakers-Denver. Yeah, yeah. So right before we go into Lakers-Denver, yeah, I, just, I mentioned that because I kind of even remind myself, like, how fortunate we are that we get to go to so many games. When I was a kid, you know, they, uh, going to an NBA game was still a rarity. You know, I lived in Chicago, so wasn't really watching too many Bulls games in person. But I did go here and there because I love the sport and all that. And, you know, it was fun to to watch. But yeah, now I'm like, I feel the same way. I'm like, I haven't been in, in crypto for a long time when really it's been like, 12 days or something but for me that feels like forever i'm there for every home game i'm there for every sparks game so it does feel like my it feels like my second home when i walk in there i feel like i'm at home i, I think you feel the same thing so uh, hey, dude like, i felt that way know. since i was eight years old <laughs> seriously I, I always say stable center the building i know best besides my grandma's yeah. house and my house yeah me too yeah i know i know where this is i know where that is and security people know my face like it, it's great so yeah i'm, I'm fortunate that now it, it does feel like that and i'm sure into it's going to feel like that for you Anyway, going into the Denver matchup here, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go. Oh, I'm going to go with Clippers win on the, the other game. They're, they're going to keep rolling. I agree with you. Uh, Lakers, Denver, I got to go with Denver. Joker's just a monster. I don't know what the roster is going to look like. It's the Kobe statue. I think there's so many distractions. I think Denver's just going to steamroll the Lakers, honestly. What do you think? Hell nah. Kobe <laughs> statue night. By the way. Before we end the show, I think we got to give our prediction, unless you have some kind of insider knowledge on what the statue is going to be of him. And then uh, let me just say this. Emotions running high. Lakers coming back off a road trip, starting to find their groove. And I think the Lakers are going to help the Clippers out in the standings with a big win, just like Kobe would like it, beating the Nuggets like he so often did. Yeah, yeah, hey, uh, uh, George Carl Slander is welcome here. So <laughs> go ahead. I, I don't have insider knowledge on it, on the statue. If I did, I would just tell you, uh, I don't think I can answer. Um, but I don't have any insider knowledge, so I can mention it. I think it's going to be him, fadeaway, the Kobe fadeaway. Yeah, Kobe jump shot. I don't think you're going to get a dunk. I, I think the ring's a little too complicated uh, in terms of, like, you know, you already have Shaq hanging on it on right. one. Uh, so I think it's more of a signature move. You, you've seen, the, like, the sky hooks and stuff. So I think you if you have him do the fadeaway, we all know that. 
you know, in high school with Kobe. So I think you're going to get one of those, and that's what it's going to look like. That's my prediction for uh, that aspect. And, yeah, I love the energy having uh, the uh, – I would love to beat the Denver Nuggets. I just think it'll be too much distraction. And then the team might be shorthanded because of all those moves. That's another factor. All right. Uh, next game we have is actually going to be – we're going to stay with the Lakers. Now they're playing New Orleans. It's going to be on NBA TV, so still national, but NBA TV on Friday. I'm going to go with the Lakers win here. Uh, do you have the Pelicans taking the double L.A. loss? Pelicans taking the double L.A. loss. I'm going to say they beat you. Okay, fair. Yeah, so they get one. They split They split them here. All right, then Saturday, the matinee again. That's interesting. Saturday, 12.30 start for Clippers-Pistons. Uh, um, I think I think it's obviously going to be uh, Clippers winning. The Pistons just they're, they're rarely winning any game. So what do you think? I'm not going to be there at that game coaching uh, at the time, but uh, Clippers going to beat the crap out of them. <laughs> all right and then the the, the final one we have there uh we're gonna have the monday ones i think we'll probably record after but monday we have uh t wolves clippers that's gonna be a big one home clipper game yes sir what do you got are you are you really number one you're gonna you're gonna beat a team like the t wolves or are you gonna well, i think we're gonna win i think we're gonna win it's just a matter of am i gonna go to that game i think i might have to um okay, you might have to record after that <laughs> I have a practice with my my older rec team at, on Mondays, but we'll see how they perform this upcoming weekend. If I feel like I need to be there, then I'm missing the Minnesota game. But if they do well, and I think my assistant coach can handle practice, I'm going. All right, dime is questionable based per, based on performance <laughs> during the weekend. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Clippers winning. I just think. I'm going to bet more on the Clippers. I'm also not high on the T-Wolves anyway. So I'm like, you know, they're going to take care of business. It's, it's, it is one of those statement kind of games. So I think you're going to get a, a good game regardless. And then um, we won't preview any more Lakers games. So we'll probably record before the Lakers play next Tuesday. So we'll keep it there. So we'll see what happens there. We'll have a plenty to talk about next week. We'll talk about those games. We'll do the recap of the standings and We'll have a statue to talk about. We might have some trades to talk about. So it's going to be an interesting week. Buckle up. This is like the fat, the last kind of busy week before we get into All-Star break and then prep for the final um, closing of um, the final stretch of the NBA season. So once again, this is Basketball on Figueroa, episode 16. I'm Edwin Garcia. That is Dar-E-N Viziri, and we out.